Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back the manager slash uh, coach of the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks, the championship team, Anthony Renz. Thanks for coming back and joining us this week. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to start talking baseball. We uh, start a new year, so uh, another year in the association should be a lot of fun. Well, before we talk about that part, kind of looking ahead to this season, it's been about four months now since you were crowned the champions. And just what has this last four months been like for you? Uh, it's been awesome. Um, you know, it, every now and again, uh, I kind of go back through the league social media uh, pages and just kind of watch some of the highlights from that game five win over Milwaukee, um, the ups and the downs. Uh, rewatching some of the playoff games that we were in, the back and forth, and um, you know, it's it's hard not to you know get emotional about it when you when you rewatch it and just to see the enjoyment um, on all the players' faces when we when we scored the winning run. It was uh, it was an amazing season, um, you know, capped off by a you know first ever American Association championship for the Red Hawks, but uh, just a memorable season and and uh, you know trying to soak it all in, and I'm sure. Once opening day rolls around, we'll be able to turn the page, you know, get the rings, but then try to focus on uh, hopefully uh, taking a run at being a repeat champion. Now, when you go it back is, and you watch those games, have you been able to just watch it purely from a fan point of view, or are there points where you're looking at it in more of an analytical coach's point of view? Uh, a little bit of both. I think, you know, as a coach, you never really are able to watch a game that you're involved in and not think about what else is going through your mind when certain situations come up. But being that you do know the outcome, uh, it's a lot easier to watch rather than when you're in the dugout in the in the extra innings not knowing uh, who might be the next guy after Alex Dubor to, uh, uh, to come in maybe if we're, if we're going to go multiple extra innings and stuff. So, um, you kind of always watch it with that analytical eye, but it's it's a lot easier to watch it with that analytical eye when you already know that you won the game. So um, for the most part, it's for entertainment purposes and just trying to relive um, that moment one more time. Did it take you a couple of three months for this to sink in and be like, man, I, we won the championship, but that was like right on top of you from the start. No, no, it definitely takes some time because, you know, there's at least for me personally there was there was just so much going on with you know kind of the situation that that coaster had to deal with all year and, and then have him be there and enjoy it the way he got to and um you know i had a ton of family in town that week and um you know seeing everybody you know it was like a uh, like a week-long almost family vacation at at our house here in moorhead with people staying and, and trying to enjoy it as best you can in the moment but it happens you know, as much as it was long and and a long fought battle with Milwaukee here in Newman, the last three games of the series, it it almost went by so fast. So even the time removed, you're, you're able to kind of let it sink in even more and and have a little bit more appreciation for it. I think as the days go by, because um, there's nothing harder to do in in any sport than to become a champion, and especially in our league, uh, to be able to say that we were um, champions in 2022 is just a remarkable feat. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about it personally, Anthony, was, you know, you lose a guy like John Silviano early in the series, and, and that would have just been a crusher for, for a lot of teams. But it was those 
guys I, you, you didn't expect to come up with big plays or big moments for you. Alec Olin, who had a, a great catch a couple of times there in right field and had some big hits for you. I, I, I would gather that it's those kind of pickups for you guys that really bring out the championship feeling for you even more. Like you accomplished something even greater because you were getting those kind of performances out of guys that you didn't expect that from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I would even say I'd, I'd even take it probably a little uh, one step further, Rob, and say that you're starting to see Major League Baseball um, in general, even the teams and the, obviously in the big leagues when they talk about designing the championship team. That yes, there's you need star power, um, and we're uh, the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks are a great example of that with John Silviano, Leo Pena, Drew Ward, Pete Maris, um, you know Sam Dexter in that group, Christian Correa, you know the the Kevin McGoverns, the the guys that are veterans that are, you know, supremely talented. But, you know, teams at the big league level are trying to win, and you need all – they always say, you know, you need basically – obviously they have a 40-man roster, but 25 guys on the team that can contribute. And, you know, that was kind of our motto all year is, I mean, there there were countless times where quote-unquote role players made big – uh, big plays for us. Alec Olin drew the drew the walk against Milwaukee in Game Five to kind of kickstart that rally. Al- Evan Alexander's infield single. I can go back to Brady Stover facing J.C. Ascara. Um, I think in Game Three against uh, Kansas City and getting one out, but it was a massive, massive out at the time. So um, all sorts of guys need to contribute if you really want to win a championship. You can't rely on just a handful of guys, and that would that's what made our team so special is that every guy on the roster had a hand and, um, you know, securing the championship and um, getting themselves some rings. No, I, 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 there, I think there's kinds of – becomes a focus on looking ahead here a little bit, if I can get words out here tonight. Um, so, but I, I do want to talk about a couple of guys in particular. Christian Correa, we see, gets a job with the Milwaukee organization. What, what does that mean for, for you to watch a guy like this who – has been as a bunch of championships over the last few years get this kind of opportunity. Yeah, Christian's run in independent baseball is is honestly second to none. I mean, he he basically ran out of fingers for all the rings that he won, whether it was with us, with Milwaukee, in Lexington, the Atlantic League. He won one in um, Sussex County in the Frontier League. So his success success on the field is is uh, speaks for itself, and that was the main reason we really went to acquire him. Is that you know wherever he went, it seemed like a championship came to that came to that uh, city and town. So um, I'm not surprised at all that Christian got a job right away. He's got a bright future in the game. He's he's going to have his master's degree. He's already got several years experience coaching um, at the Division One level. Now he's obviously with the Brewers. Um, obviously, being a, a fluent um, you know Spanish speaker is going to help him go a long, long way as well. Um, I could see him ascending through the ranks um, just based off his knowledge. I mean, he really was. I know I've mentioned this before. It was like having an extra coach on the field, um, and that position is so vital in baseball for us, for me especially, um, with Coaster gone most of the year to lean on him in certain situations. Um, I'm forever indebted, and, and, and I'm so happy that um, he was able to you know, kind of finish his career on the highest note and win a championship. Are you expecting Kevin McGovern will be back this year, or do you think he might look for retirement and doing other things at this point? <clears throat> well, I can tell you this: I, I, you know, we haven't, especially with some of our veteran guys. You know, the veteran guys are always the longest kind of to come to agreements with because you know they seem to always have the most, um, you know, interest from either major league organizations or say a you know a foreign league like uh, Mexico. 
Um, if Kevin McGovern obviously wants to pitch, we're, we're more than happy to have Kevin McGovern pitch. We wouldn't have been where we were last year without Gov. Um, he made some big starts for us all throughout the year, really carried us, led the rotation also as pitching coach. Um, and even a couple big, <clears throat> a couple big starts in the playoffs. Obviously, his start against Kansas City in game one, which we ended up losing, um, was just a, uh, virtuoso performance from from Gov. So uh, we haven't had the official word, but we're not going to be in a position where we're going to rush Gov. We want to give him all the time in the world. It's it takes a lot to to get it going again every year. And after you win the championship, I'm sure day by day he's thinking about it every day. But more often than not, the guys that play for this long, it, it's hard for them to give it up. And if he doesn't want to give it up, we'd love to see um, him out there towing the rubber um, every fifth day for us. That's for sure. I've learned from my 5,000 years in baseball, seemingly, that when guys announce in September that they're going to retire, you always have to take it, have to take it with that grain of salt. You know, McGovern gave all kinds of hints after the championship that this was it for him. But I just, you know, it gets to January, February, the, the guys get the itch, you know, the, the aches have gone away, they feel better again, and... I wouldn't be surprised if we did see him back in the Fargo rotation come May. Yeah, it's definitely that's a good point by you, Kevin. It's it's that's why we, you know, with here in Fargo and, and Jeff Bittiger who obviously builds the team, builds the roster and um, you know, in unison with Coaster and I and, and you know, consultation and stuff is you know, you, you never wanna we wait as honestly as long as we can. Guys go through different things throughout the off season, life changes. Um, right after the season's over, you're never going to get the actual answer out of somebody. They're trying to process what just happened. And then off a championship, the last thing you want to do is pressure a player into coming back when um, they're trying to to live in a moment that, um, you know, some players never get to achieve in their career. So, um, like I said, it's always a, it's always a time thing. And the closer that the beginning of May rolls around, that's when, like you said, everybody gets that itch. So we'll let uh, most of our veteran guys take all the time they need and, and hopefully most of them are back so we can, uh, you know, defend the crown. How do you get no, that, though? Because you obviously you want your core of guys back, but in the meanwhile, as you're waiting for them, there could be guys available that could be an upgrade. How do you how do you manage that between being loyal to you, who you have and then trying to upgrade your team at the same time? Yeah, it you know it can it, and at times can get tricky, especially from the loyalty aspect. I mean, in Fargo though, we like to have a lot of continuity. We've been we've kind of had this core group of guys for for several years. I mean, Leo Pena's been um, here since 2018. Dexter uh, for multiple years. John Silviano multiple years. Drew Ward has been here for two years now with a little break in between. So. Um, you know, Luke Lynn, Joe Jones, Alex Dubord, multiple year guys. And, you know, the easy thing for us, it's easy being loyal when uh, everybody's wearing a ring on their finger. Uh, you know, we, we really don't have any reason not to be loyal uh, with the amount of games that we won last year and, and having the season that we did and obviously capping off with the title. So uh, for us, you know, we, we're going to wait as long as possible because we know that group, um, you know, if we bring back that same group, we should be in 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 position to uh, make another run at it, and that's all you can ask for in in such a deep and competitive league. You know, Anthony, I'm I'm glad Kevin asked that question that way because as, as I was kind of thinking about your answer there, I, I'm I'm wondering, and, and no disrespect to these guys, they're they're playing exceptionally good baseball for you guys, but 
you know, a, a lot of them are, are getting up in years at this point in terms of baseball time, I, I guess. And when do you, you and Chris, do you talk about, hey, do we start preparing for the future, or if these guys are ready to come back in the in the fall uh, in the spring for you guys, are you going to roll with the same group of guys if they're ready to play? Yeah, I, it's it's. I wish I could give you like a a really you know scientific and precise answer, but you really can't. It just goes all off the field of the players and where they're at in their careers. I think I think the big thing for a lot of veteran players in our league is that you know they get to a certain point where you know the the amount of years that they have left playing are you know obviously winding down. Nobody nobody plays forever, so they're they're looking to make maybe a little bit extra money. And and not that the American Association can't provide that but there are foreign leagues where you're going to you're going to make more money uh, a league like Mexico is a league where guys go there later on in their career and 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 make a little extra money so and if a player ever uh for us in Fargo is is you know in that situation you're never going to let you're never going to say no and not want the player to pursue something that's going to help them out um financially and, and in their personal life I mean you've even seen that track with several players in our league and I know Joe, Joey Trudoslovich is still down there playing Kyle Martin took that track from Winnipeg uh, basically right around his age 30 season, go down there, make some money, and, and he turned it into a triple-A contract with the Padres. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's – I wish, like I said, I wish I could be precise about it, but it's really just the relationships that you build with these guys. Um, we ha- we get a lot of these guys that we have, you know, they, they tell us all the time that if they're going to play um, independent baseball, they're only going to do it in a Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawk uniform, and that's really all we can ask for. And it, it's one of the, you know, more proud things you can say as a coach is when a guy says something like that. So uh, we've kind of uh, built these relationships that allow these guys and trust these guys that they can explore other opportunities, but we'll welcome them with open arms again, um, especially with all the success that, that we've had with them in, in recent years. Now, I'm a little curious about this from you because I, I was in the Kansas City area a little bit after the Monarchs won the championship a couple of years ago, and I, I think the community was happy about it, but it wasn't like if a Kansas City Monarch guy walked into a restaurant somewhere, anybody was going to know who the guy was for, for the most part. Are you – Are you? what's the, what's the community attitude with, with you guys now since it's been a few months since you won the championship? Yeah, well, unfortunately, the community took a little bit of a hit yesterday. The 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 bison went down to uh, uh, South Dakota State, so um, uh, we're the only ones that were able to, to hoist the banner. It looks like in the area, and I'm sure the you know bison will be in it again year after year. So as of right now, at this very moment, the community's a little bit um, you know melancholy to say the least. I'm sure, but yeah, it, Fargo. It you know I try to explain it like this. It's it, it's in a in a in a way like one of the godfathers of of independent baseball right up there with the St. Paul Saints who obviously aren't um in independent baseball anymore but Winnipeg Gold Eyes I mean a lot of these franchises that are in the Midwest and in the American Association really started um the beginning of the modern era for independent baseball so uh, people are aware of it. The Fargo community really embraces the Red Hawks. We're one of the best teams, obviously, for attendance year in, year out. Other teams love coming to Fargo. Other players love playing in Fargo. Um, you know you're going to get a, a, a passionate baseball fan base. Um, it's just not all numbers. The people are actually um, locked in on the game. And, and I think that really showed in, in the finals. You know, your playoff attendance is never going to be what it is in the regular season because you can't plan for selling tickets. But um, if anybody was there that night, game five, and, and Coaster said it best, we might not have had, 
you know, 4,000 people there, but we had the right people there. And, and I think um, our players and visiting players and coaches really get that sense when they come to Fargo that, you know, it is a little bit of a, you know, hostile baseball environment because the fans are so into it. So the community embraces us um, in such an awesome way. It's, it's easy to go out there and want to perform for them on a, uh, you know, night in, night out basis. Who knew that we we're going to see a team out of South Dakota that wears blue and gold win a championship? <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, you know I I I can say this because I'm not uh, you know I don't have roots here in North Dakota, so I'm not as tied into the Bison as everybody else. I obviously root for them, being that um, you know they're kind of a, you know partners within the area. But um, you know the Jackrabbits obviously getting their first win is is a pretty awesome process, and you can really kind of tie in the bison to that and the fact that, you know, a lot of these schools are now really diving into football because of what the bison did for over a decade. So it only makes for a really good competitive environment uh, for this area of the country, which is awesome. Um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, small towns and, and small communities really bond together over sports. So when you see an event like that from a team from North Dakota and South Dakota on the national stage, I think that's pretty awesome. Maybe the Canaries can build upon that blue and gold championship karma this year. I well, I'd like them to hold off on that. Maybe one more year, and then uh, <laughs> hopefully the red and black can maybe rein it in again. But I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Meyer and and all the Canaries will be ready to rock again. It's it's always tough playing them. They they're always got talent. So um, I mean, really, every team in our league that our t our league is so so good. I, I can never stress that enough. I mean. Every night is a battle, and, and that's what makes it fun, and that's what makes making it winning a championship uh, mean that much more because of how great the league uh, is top to bottom. Well, I think that leads us into the elephant in the room, Anthony. Uh, Kevin and I talked about this the last couple of weeks on, on the show about you personally. Obviously, I, I would assume everybody who has an opening for a job out there is is looking your way. I mean, you you prove yourself as quite the manager this last year, having to fill in for Chris. And are are you interested in looking out, or you're you're comfortable with where you're at, and you're going to let kind of time go by here a little bit before you decide to make a move somewhere else, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I I I'm extremely comfortable in Fargo. I, I obviously, you know, I'm uh, getting married here in a couple months um, in September. Um, in Moorhead, Minnesota, uh, really looking forward to that. So, like, I really have some roots here now, and I have a tremendous amount of loyalty to to Coaster and and Jeff Bidiger in that sense. But um, you know, honestly, every year after every year after I you know a Red Hawk season, I've I've had some form of communication about uh, potential job opportunities um, in all facets of the game, whether it's affiliated ball, other independent uh, baseball jobs, or and even in college baseball, some of those I've turned down. Some of those I've been a finalist for and haven't gotten, um, but I'm really, really selective in the jobs that I that I apply for because um, I just I value working with great people. When you work with great people, it's really hard to, to hard to leave them. Now, um, eventually, or eventually, personal goals and aspirations are always going to get involved, and um, you know I. I, I not that I wouldn't want to be a Red Hawk forever, but, you know, you, you never know forever is a really long time. So, um, again, I'm really selective in, in some of the jobs that I that I throw my name into the ring for. But um, if an opportunity came up that I just felt was, 
you know, too much to pass up for, for my, you know, personal goals and, and, you know, for my uh, family situation, I'd obviously would take that opportunity. So um, I, I really feel comfortable in the position that I'm in. I, you know, I, I don't want to just make uh, a decision based off of, of one particular aspect of another job. I want to make sure that um, that next job I take is, is one worth leaving uh, Jeff Bittiger and Chris Coast for. And, and that's really the main criteria, but um, who knows? I mean, I mean, there's there's been jobs that have come out come open, and I've talked to certain people about certain jobs that I never thought I'd even be involved for. But um, you know, I think um, basically the success that we've had here in Fargo is only going to help me in the long run. So um, for right now, it's it's Fargo Moorhead uh, through and through. But um, I'm sure there's going to be opportunities that come along the way. Um, you know, pretty much every year after every season. You were telling us about your wedding date, and I thought very wise that you scheduled it for very late in September, so there would be positively no conflict. Yeah, that's the that was the first criteria from um, from basically me. I, I don't have a lot. To, uh, I have a lot of say in in wedding preparations. I, I kind of uh, defer, as I'm sure most of the husbands out there and uh, can, can say that's probably a wise strategy. But the only thing I said is I said, you know, I think we should probably try to avoid baseball season. And when I heard September was the month, um, that we were going to look at, I looked at the last weekend cause I figured, well, that's all clear that hopefully the champagne is, is dried on Newman again. Um, uh, we can have one more big celebration around out the year. So yeah, that date was, was no, was no accident. I can tell you that that was picked, uh, just in case uh, there's another long Fargo-Moorhead playoff run. Well, looking ahead to next year, before we dive into the Red Hawks a little bit, but your, your thoughts on Greg Tiger taking the Winnipeg job? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to have Tiger, uh, uh, Tags back in the fold. I mean, um, I, you know, another guy who's had just a lifetime of experience in baseball and, and obviously back in, uh, you know, basically the same division that, uh, he was in before he, he took the job with the San Francisco giants. And, um, you know, it's an iconic franchise. I think Winnipeg, obviously they, they really look for someone of Greg's stature where you can bring in a, another, uh, you know, kind of fortifying figure, just like Rick Forney was with the experience and have it be seamless because, it's really hard to hire somebody I would think for these owners that hire someone outside of the league or outside, uh, maybe someone with major independent, um, experience because it's a whole new world. I mean, you're, you are signing players, you're releasing players. It's, it's very, very difficult, um, to build teams in this league. And Greg has been doing it for so long that I think Winnipeg probably was just like, man, if, if, if he has interest in the job, I don't know how we don't, um, put him right at the top of the list of, of candidates. So I'm excited for him. I, I'm not over, overly excited of you know battling with him again because it's an experience force in the league, but it only makes our division better. So um, I think it's it's a great hire for Winnipeg, and and I'm sure it'll you know uh, only you know fuel the rivalry between the Red Hawks and, and Gold Eyes uh, with another you know kind of uh, big time manager in that in that role. So we're looking forward to going battle with um, with Greg again. You know, looking at the managers in that West Division now, you got two thousand win managers there, Mintegert and Calfa Pietra. You got you and and Chris and Brett Jody each have championships. Uh, Brett out in the Atlantic League. You got Montgomery and Meyer, who are I think he have managed over eight hundred games now or something. I mean, I don't, I don't think you could find six better managers in the division just about anywhere nowadays. 
No, I, I had brought this, uh, you know, kind of brought this up last year and, um, and really all the managers, it really, even on the other, the other side as well with Butch Hobson, Jim Bennett, Lamar Rogers. I mean, they, the managers in this league are truly unbelievable, but in, in specific to what you're saying on our side, I mean, that, that was, you know, one of the things is, you know, it was a little bit surreal for me as being out there in the role that I was this past year and, and facing these guys. I mean, at, at times it can, it can be pretty daunting, but I, I also kind of embraced it because it was such an amazing challenge of going up against guys that have seen uh, so much more baseball than me and, and have had so much more success than, than I've had in my young career. But to go against them is, is almost like an honor in a way. I mean, you said it, you brought up all the names. You could argue that it might be the most uh, loaded managerial uh, division in all of professional baseball. I mean, between the championships and the experience and the know-how, it, it's it's unbelievable. And like I said, I, you know, I've said it a lot, that's what makes this league so, so good. And really, in my opinion, the premier partner league is – the guys leading the ships um, for every franchise are experienced, uh, you know, great people, um, unbelievable competitors. And, and that's why, you know, the, the championship for me, no matter where my career takes me in the future, uh, will be top, top three, if not the, the greatest achievement ever for me, because it's, it, it's just so competitive in our, in our um, league that, you know, going up against those guys every night, you better have your your T's crossed and your eyes dotted because if you don't, um, you're you're probably going to lose. So, just a tremendous, tremendous group of managers and um, tremendous amount of baseball experience up and down the American Association. You've had a few months to reflect on the job you did managing this club uh, for the season. There, are there is there a different focus you might be looking for for this year or? something you want to personally do different or better or, or uh, however you're seeing from what you've had an opportunity to look back on now? Yeah, I guess, for, I guess um, to just be in the situation where now you're trying to defend the championship and now um, not that you didn't have targets on your back last year, but now you carry the title of champion. So the target if there wasn't one on you last year as we were kind of rolling through and, and we're in first place for about 95 days, um, it's certainly going to be there when opening day starts. So having the, you know, um, mental focus and mental fortitude to um, kind of reset and realize, all right, the championship was last year and, you know, this is a totally new year and now you got everybody out there gunning for you again. Uh, I'm really interested to see the emotions of going through a, um, you know, a def- you know, defending uh, a, a crown type season uh, from start to finish. I think it's an awesome challenge. I mean, you, you see these teams across all professional sports. It's hard to win multiple championships. Um, it's hard to go back to back in any sport. Um, so I, I really just can't wait to embrace that challenge of, you know, we're the champs. Everybody's want to, everybody's going to want a piece of the Red Hawks. And I think, you know, if we're able to keep the nucleus of our team together, I think our guys will embrace that and it'll make for an amazing season. And, and like I said, hopefully a, a deep playoff run, playoff push, and hopefully we, we have a shot to do it. But it's hard to win a championship, so embracing that challenge as as an organization is, is going to have to start, um, obviously, at the first day of, of spring training. Now, now, to better your odds, do you make your catcher just wear Christian Correa's uniform just so you increase your odds a little bit? Or? Yeah, we, we didn't. Yeah, when the uniforms got handed in, we're just going to leave that on there and, 
if Ben Lavorsi has to wear the uniform with Korean on his back, we figure that's that's fine as well. I mean, uh, it hasn't a Korea jersey hasn't failed independent baseball in a long time. So uh, we uh, we're probably gonna if and if nobody wants to wear it, we'll just hang it in the dugout. Uh, that'll probably give us a good advantage in, in every every game we play. Now, I, I think if there was one area for you guys that was that struggled a little bit down the stretch, it was the bullpen and had a little trouble in the championship series as well. But uh, Alex DeBoard, I, I would assume if he's if he wants to be back, he'll be back next year. But what what do you do about that bullpen? Is there anything you're looking to do differently, or do you just kind of look at the end of the season as a little bit of a slump for the group? Yeah, the, the bullpen's always tough because um, they're in such a tough position at the beginning of the year, and you don't want to wear them down. And, and and I think I mentioned this when I was on after we won a championship. Coaster has always said to me, um, whether we're in the dugout with the Red Hawks or we're in the dugout with Concordia, a manager's toughest job is to manage a bullpen. Um, and in our league, it's extremely tough because you have an abbreviated spring training, so none of the starters are really built up, especially in their first two turns of rotation. So now you're leaning on your bullpen guys early. Well, at some point you want to give them a little bit of a break. Um, and then the problem with us last year, as I told our bullpen late in the year, I said we were winning so many games early that I was using them all the time. Um, and that's why sometimes those games that get out of hand are almost a blessing in disguise, and, and you never want to lose a game. But that's going to happen over the course of 100 games. So, um, no, our, our bullpen, um, you know, they – sure, there was moments where th- there was times where we faltered, but – I never, I never lost faith in any guy that was out in the bullpen at any point given the given the year. I, I, I knew they were mentally prepared. I knew they were physically prepared. I knew they were focused. Um, from uh, Alex Dubord, obviously, and Joe Jones, Luke Lynn getting some big outs in the Milwaukee series after hitting a little bit of a a slump. And those guys picked those picked each other up, you know, all year. If one of those guys had a bad outing, somebody threw it in the group chat. They threw it in the group chat. Hey, you know, thanks for picking me up tonight. There was such a such a cohesive group out there. And a lot of the young guys that we had out there, Brady Stover, uh, Tanner Riley, learned a lot um, in a short amount of time with us. So I have all the faith in the world that that group can, can be as good as what they were. And when you have kind of Alex Dubord as the best closer in the league on the back end, it makes it easy on, on a lot of different guys. So uh, the bullpen um, was was tremendous for us. And, and, you know, like most championship teams, the bullpen has to be tremendous, especially in – in certain spots, they might not need to be tremendous in every spot, but in certain spots they do. And I think our guys were um, in those big spots down the stretch, and that's all that mattered. For fans who don't know out there, talk a little bit about your role there in Concordia. Yeah, so I, I actually, you know, my when I got hired in 2018, my tie to the Red Hawks was. Uh, Jeff Bittiger, who obviously has his number retired and, and, and obviously builds the roster for us um, and a professional scout for the A's. I have known Jeff since I was 10 years old. So um, he's the reason I briefly played for the Red Hawks um, in 2015. And uh, we just kind of kept in contact. His son um, is going to be one of the groomsmen at my wedding. I'm, I'm best friends with him. He's a scout for the Miami Marlins. So I and Michael Schlack was the pitching coach when I briefly played for the Red Hawks, so I had a little bit of familiarity with him. But when I got hired, I, I obviously didn't know Chris Coast. And then Coaster and I, in our first year with the Red Hawks, um, basically 50 games in, we just really hit it off. We we were on the same page, a lot of stuff with baseball philosophy and and our coaching our coaching ways. And that's when he asked me to kind of hop on at Concordia as just a, you know basically the hitting coach, but assistant coach. And 
um, I wasn't going to turn down a, a World Series champion. So, uh, yeah, it, it allows me to be in baseball, you know, basically year-round, um, which is awesome, especially being in this area of the country where baseball year-round is tough to come by. So um, I think Coach will say this too, uh, you know, one job makes you better at the other. You kind of you learn different things and different aspects and how to communicate with players. Um, and it just, it just allows you, like I said, to be around the game. So, uh, hitting coach over at Concordia and, you know, bench coach, hitting coach for the Red Hawks. So, um, an acting manager, if I have to be, so it, it just allows me to be around the game. And I'm, you know, forever grateful that, that coaster asked me to do that back in, uh, 2018. Do any of the other guys that may be living in the area, do they pop in come, um, Concordia? Concordia season time to get some swings in or work with the guys or just get back in the baseball mode again. Yeah, so I, we're oddly enough, we, you know, we we're, we're, we have a lot of Fargo locals. It seems like now, obviously, Alex Dubord is in the area and does a ton of ton of lessons in the area at a local facility. But John Silviano actually made Fargo his home this off season. Um, and oddly enough, I'm going to uh, the ball yard tomorrow to throw some batting practice to Sylvie as he gets ready for. Um, uh, a workout that um, I think, you know, obviously would be uh, with some pro scouts and, and scouts in attendance for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the guys that have um, – it's always actually kind of been a, a program where there's been a lot of Red Hawks that have stayed around to help coach um, at Concordia when Bucky Burgau uh, was the head coach in Concordia and the first base coach for the Red Hawks, and Bucky's still helping us out at Concordia. So there's a lot of Red Hawk and Concordia ties. Uh, which is kind of awesome. Even the even the Cobber players will come to Red Hawk games and kind of you know learn from what they see in that, and I think they really appreciate that. And uh, Red Hawk guys will come to Concordia games right when there's that little crossover at the end, at the beginning of spring training or season. So uh, it's a it's a, you know one big baseball family uh, in the Fargo Moorhead area, which is which is awesome because uh, the more the baseball is prevalent out in this part of the country, uh, the better off we are. Well, before diving into the Red Hawks, Bethel and St. John's were pretty tough last year in the Mayak. What are you thinking about the Cobbers for this year? We, we got we're we're going to be good. Uh, last year, prior to the season, right around this time when Coaster and I are and Bucky are starting to put together practice plans, I thought last year we could be uh, only four teams make the playoffs. And I told Coaster, I thought you know we'd be the fourth seed. I thought we had a shot to do it. Um, and we ended up being the fourth seed and, and, um, you know, we were young and we got a, everybody back. We didn't lose one player from, um, our, you know, basically starting nine and, and the starting rotation. So, um, last year I thought we could get to the playoffs. I, I didn't, not that I didn't necessarily think we could win it. We just were going to have to, you know, have a little bit of luck and, and make some big plays against some really good teams. Uh, Bethel, as you said, and, and St. John's. But this year, I really think we're we're true contenders for the Mayak uh, with the experience that we have. So it should be a fun group. Mayak baseball is really good. There's been a lot of good Mayak players even that come through, um, obviously, the American Association. So it's it's really good baseball, um, and it's really competitive. It's another, it's another conference that you got to be ready to play every single day. So uh, we're excited for it. We'll be we'll be uh, hoping here for our Florida trip in, in about a month or so, but uh, really excited for the, the, the Cobber baseball season. You know, we should we should have uh, every chance to kind of uh, hopefully uh, etch our, our names in the Mayak Trophy, that's for sure. So with your players on, on Concordia, where do they generally play during the summer? I know like the Northwoods League's 
usually pick up guys that are like Division One, Division Two. Do some of the guys manage to get on to, to those teams? Are they playing town ball? Or are they sticking around the area and playing with the Moorhead Brewers? Or what? What generally is, are the plans for the players during the summer? Yeah, some of them. Some of them will go that route and play college summer ball, whether it's uh, in a league like the Northwoods or even up in Canada. Um, Canada has a really good collegiate summer wood bat league up there. Um, we've sent guys there before, but town ball yeah, is so good. That's something I didn't know about actually when I first started working at Concordia. And I, I asked Coaster, I said, you know, where do our guys play summer ball? And they, and he said, well, they play town ball. And being from Pennsylvania, I rolled my eyes because uh, town ball in Pennsylvania is like, like it's just like rec league. It's it's not competitive. It's uh, a bunch of guys way past their prime trying to catch and throw and hit. Um, and then I found out what town ball was in the state of Minnesota, and I was like, wow, that that's almost almost in a sense better than college football, especially from our guys because it's a Division three school, low profile. Sometimes it's harder to get placed in college summer leagues being from a Division three school, so they get to play in their hometowns and represent their hometowns, and a lot of them are really, really good and make deep runs at the state tournament. So the majority of our guys play town ball, and um, I think it's awesome for them because it's a competitive environment from day one, and um, the pride that they have to carry uh, day in and day out for their hometown is is nothing um, that they can't take from and, and use in their Concordia career. So uh, the majority play town ball, and they enjoy it, and we enjoy following them uh, all summer long when we're on the road with the Hawks. I can tell you someone that's gotten into town ball pretty deep in the last several years. It's unfortunate that, you know, good baseball guys like you are busy the entire summer because there is no better spectacle out there than the Minnesota Amateur Baseball Tournament where every game is one and done and you get some of the most incredible baseball games. You almost forget that these guys are just amateurs as as good as those games are. Yeah, and Coaster said that from day one, that the state tournament for Minnesota Town Ball is like one of the best events that um, not only baseball fans can go to, but sports fans can go to. It's it's really incredible, and, and I think that's awesome because, like I said, you know, the summers are so short out here, long winters, that uh, for people to go out and support local baseball, I mean, that's that's what, you know, that's really what at the crux of what independent baseball really was and how it all started and that these local communities had their own team to root for us. So being that what we are for the Fargo-Moorhead area is even off, you know, even better for our guys playing small town ball and, and representing their town and, and, you know, their family heritages and stuff. So it, it's, it's awesome. Anytime there's baseball like that played on a passionate level, um, that'll have my support um, till the end of time. You know, I have to say, Anthony, with preparing for college baseball season and, and the Red Hawks season, I'm a little surprised you have any free time to yourself at all, but you went out on a vacation for a week. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I went on vacation at a time where I didn't have many uh, responsibilities. So it was, uh, yeah, we, my fiance and I and a um, um, couple close family friends, a group of eight of us, we just got back from a a Caribbean cruise, which was awesome. And it was strategically placed basically in a time where I, I didn't really have any obligations, obviously for the Red Hawks or Concordia because our season and our, uh, hasn't started yet. So, uh, good little time to get away, kind of break up the winter a little bit. Um, I wish I was still in, in St. Thomas. That's for sure. Being back in Moorhead has been a little bit of a culture shock the last two days, but no complaints. It was an amazing seven days with some, with some, um, you know, awesome people. So, 
uh, really enjoyed it. But um, it kind of also kind of sets you up for now. It's baseball season, so we're ready to get to work with Concordia. That will eventually lead into, obviously, the American Association season. Now, you were mentioning, too, that you're getting married in September, so we should give you a little plug here. So where could fans go out and find your registering to get you good good wedding gifts? Because you deserve something out there, I would think. Yeah, well, we haven't we haven't quite set that up yet, but now that now that you threw it out there, I'll make sure that uh, the the American Association fans have access to it. They're just not allowed to buy any uh, any you know piece of uh, apparel from their own teams. They have to buy Red Hog gear. So uh, that's the only requirement. I can't have I can't have people sending me Chicago dogs hats as as wedding gifts. That that won't go too over well with my employer. So all on, or uh, any and all Red Hawk gifts are welcome and. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting time. It's a lot of planning, but uh, I can't wait. It's it'll be a awesome celebration for my family and my fiance's family. So really looking forward to it in the coming months. In the uh, off season, is there any sport you're watching beyond baseball? Just to kind of uh, that you're kind of a, a fan of out there? Yeah, well, I I really follow all of them. Kind of a sports fanatic. Uh, really, all four major sports. Um, you know, really. Uh, big fan of and obviously baseball being at the forefront so i during that october stretch after the red hawk season the playoff baseball is just so incredible i wish that would never end but uh my dad was was born in long island new york so my allegiances for professional sports are all new york teams uh big mets fan growing up and obviously the off season that they've had has been incredible for my family back home to kind of see that with an owner that's spending money left and right and and getting players left and right, but uh, Knicks fan, Rangers fan, and, and actually a New York Giants fan. So I'm a uh, public enemy number one out here this weekend where I'm at. I, my fiance's family, massive Vikings fans. Uh, I'm a Giants fan. I, the Giants um, really are just an average team that really overachieved, and uh, they got a shot to win, and they got a shot to not knock off the Vikings. So if that happens, the wedding could be called off. Um, but uh, – It'll be a fun environment here on the weekend to, to be rooting for them and watch that stuff. But, yeah, all four sports, I I really – my fiance's one complaint is that, you know, if there's something on in the TV, it's it's usually sports. So most of the time i got to bargain at times to watch something else that's not live action. But I uh, love sports and, and watch all of it and uh, can never get enough. So how does a Long Island guy become a Rangers fan and not an Islanders fan? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, is you know, we're not traditional New York fans, so you're, you know, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Yankees, Giants, um, Knicks, uh, Rangers, and then Mets, Jets, Knicks, and Islanders, like you said. Uh, but big thing for my dad is that he kind of rooted for uh, the Islanders growing up, and in the '80s, they were unbelievable. They won, you know, four straight Stanley Cups or whatever it was. But the t- the TV contract ran out, um, and they were they weren't on TV until early in the 2000s, so when the TV contract ran, ran out, the Rangers were on. That's kind of when my dad was going through, um, you know, teenage years, uh, young adulthood. So that's when the Rangers kind of hopped on board, obviously timed up with the Stanley Cup in 92 with Messier. So really ever since that point, it was all about who was on TV. Um, and the Islanders had a little bit of a blackout after their after their Stanley Cup run. So that's how we became Rangers fans. And um, they had a good run last year. They 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 got a good team. Love love watching them. Love hockey. It's usually going on right at the hockey playoffs are going on right when we start up. So 
um, yeah, we're big hockey fans, but big basketball fans played basketball growing up and obviously watch football. So there's nothing the Renses don't like to watch and there's nothing that we don't like to be competitive about either. So that's what makes it fun. Now, for, for fans out there, I, I want to share a little story with you because I, I want to see your, your experience now with Kevin and I over the years. Because two years ago, we were doing our preseason uh, show with Jack as you guys were driving to your first game of the season, and he just handed his phone to you to join us on the show. So what, what were your initial impressions of Kevin and I, and are, are you feeling better about us after two years now? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, well, I, you can't even – I can't blame anybody other than only Jack Michaels would do such a thing, and that's the beauty of Jack Michaels is uh, the spontaneity that he's got when he's got, uh, you know, the stage all to himself, the second to none. So, yeah, that was awesome. I, I loved actually doing it then, that first time that we did it, uh, and we were probably on our way to Cleburne, if I remember correctly, and I was actually set to, you know, basically be acting manager for about one or two series as the Cobbs wrapped up their season um and uh that was incredible and then obviously talking to you guys after the championship so it's been awesome the coverage that you guys do is is awesome it's good for the league anything to do get the american association association out there more and more the way you guys cover it uh makes it fun um you know it, it really you know gives it that kind of that big that big league field so uh, we appreciate what you guys do and it, it's awesome to be a part of it we're good glad we didn't scare you off i i, I was uh I know when Jack handed you the phone. Hey, well, have you talked with Anthony Renz right now? I, I thought there yeah. had to be a look on your face like, who are these guys? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was uh, just Jack being Jack, which uh, I hope he never changes because he's, he's the, the, the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Well, Anthony, now that you're a three-time vet, you know it's that time of the show where you get to give us your final thoughts. So the floor is yours. Yeah, just, uh, you know, hopefully just, I, you, know, I, you know, obviously thank you guys for having me on and, and just can't wait for the season to start. I'm sure I'm just like everybody else out there that's fans of the American Association. Uh, you know, the beginning of May can't come soon enough and um, hoping for another awesome season in 2023. Looking forward to getting back out there and, like I said, defending the defending the crown. It's, um, you know, a big responsibility to be a champion and, and we're looking forward to the challenge. And I know um, whoever's on the field, um, you know, to start that first game as as a Red Hawk is going to be ready to to uh, you know put it all on the line to to try to go get another championship. So looking forward to it. Thanks for thanks for having me and uh, can't wait for the season to get started. Anthony Renz, thanks for joining us this week. Thank yeah, thanks for doing this. Well, Kevin, great having Anthony Renz back on the show, and it uh, looks like he's still enjoying basking in the glory of that championship. No doubt about it, but also with the uh... Uh, laser focus on the upcoming 2023 season. Yeah, you know, I have to tell you, Kevin, he he uh, taught me something that I really never gave as much credence to as I as I guess I should have. But he he taught all of those major league franchises out there how important it is to keep your TV contract going. I guess I I found that pretty interesting. I, I mean, you know, in New York, there's just so many sports, and I know like the um, MSG is the big thing out there, and they've got, like, so many MSG 1, 2, 3, 4, and so I'm sure that's what solved the problem with the Islanders, but maybe back then, I think you're just getting done with, like, the Sports Channel America thing being wrapped up, and I think the Islanders 
even after the cup run, they were kind of considered like the, the other New York team just because of the longstanding tradition of the Rangers and playing in Madison Square Garden and the Islanders kind of being isolated up at Nassau Coliseum and then, you know, the last so many years kind of being an orphan team playing the, the basketball arena in Brooklyn until they got their new arena built. Uh, they were, But now, you know, I, to me, I think the teams are on equal footing and it's always a pretty good rivalry out there, I know, when they get together. And want to make sure if you're a major league team out there, don't let that contract get out of the way because fans may turn to the other team across town or something that that may work out. So, well, let's look back on Fargo here for a moment, Kevin. Uh, fantastic season. Obviously, when you win the championship, you had quite a number of guys that had big contributions. But Drew Ward comes back to the team. Peter Maris was fantastic. Willie picked up in the second half of the season and became such a force at the top of the order for this club. But very impressive lineup to this Red Hawks club, one through nine, and it was not surprising at all that they wound up winning the championship with that group. It was an interesting season, as there were definitely peaks and valleys in their year. I know I caught them right after the All-Star game, and they were swooning a, a bit, and and at the end of the season, when um, Kansas City caught up and then overtook them to win the division, you couldn't help but to think that, you know, wow, this is probably Kansas City's um, playoff to win as they got the matchup they wanted with Lincoln and Fargo had to battle Winnipeg just to get to play against Kansas City. You just didn't you, – you thought all momentum and everything else was on the side of the Monarchs, but um, obviously the Red Hawks were a team of destiny, and that carried them to a championship you know, Kevin, one of the things I really like about the American Association and independent baseball is that if a guy is struggling in, in affiliate ball at double-A AA or triple-A or something like that, you have a feeling that his days are numbered. or He's not living up to expectations or whatever. His days are numbered. He's going to be out the door. But a guy can take two or three seasons in American Association baseball to really develop and become a sensational player. And that's what we got to see out of John Silviano. Talk about a guy who just went from a, a person everybody just thought was going to hit homers and not do much to being just one of the most complete players in the league. And not to mention, uh, what a team player. You know, you could just tell that he has emerged as the – one of the major leaders of that Red Hawks ball club. And now, you know, he's actually calling the Fargo-Moorhead area home. So I think the, as American Association fans, we've we've been able to see the evolution of John Silviano. And, you know, as Anthony talks about how he's going to have a tryout, well, maybe we can't help but to hope that um, maybe a major league organization will give him a shot. But if not, we'll get to enjoy him for another summer with the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. Yeah, talk, a team player, Kevin. Talk about a guy who broke his leg in the second inning and stayed in the contest to the seventh when he you know, just couldn't go anymore after running out a, 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 a play from where he had to run from first to third. I mean, that just showed that his team was first in his mind. He wanted to win games, and he did whatever it took to win. And, you know, that, and that's a... You know, the, with scouts nowadays, everything is so regimented. It's you know, five-tool player. And, you know, he's a 3.5 with speed. He's a 2.8 with power. 
But there's the intangibles, and that's one of the intangibles that you just can't measure with a number. And as a scout, you got to you you have to see that happening. You can't just go by numbers and all these sabermetric stuff that um, people seem to want to go by nowadays. Well, I think a big question looking forward here now, Kevin, will be the starting rotation for next season. You know, Kevin McGovern could retire. Tyler Grauer could be back in affiliate ball. He had, he had a phenomenal season for this club last se- last year. Derek Feldman really came into his own. Uh, I'm assuming he'll he'll get one of those starting rotation spots if he's uh, once if he's coming back there. But a lot a lot up in the air for what could be this rotation for this com- upcoming season. There is and. We've just seen this team do such a good job of finding guys that are good the Division Two guys, Division Three guys that fill the rookie spots, but then also play a prominent role in the rotation. So don't be surprised if they find a couple guys like that to fill any holes in the pitching staff. My apologies. I think I said Derek, but it would be Davis Feldman. So let me correct yeah. myself there. So Excellent. Well, it should be an exciting season coming up there, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on around the American Association. And we have a a, a surprising move. I, you know, I, I wrote a story about this. I'm still a little stunned by this, but I, I get you know I get the move. But the Gary South Shore Railcats trade infielder Thomas Walraven to New York in the Frontier League, bringing right-handed reliever Matt Leon, who was fantastic for uh, New York last season. But you know, Walraven had been such a huge member of this club over the last three years and had a big 16-homer season in Gary last year. A little surprising to see him go, but uh, you know they got to bolster up that pitching staff, and, and Leon looks like the guy who's going to do that for them. Well, I don't have anything in front of me as we're doing the show, Rob. Can you tell me where Walraven is from? Oh, from that area, as a matter of fact, yes. And there were some people talking on Facebook about it. He was talking about retirement, but going back home to his you know, his area where he was from had a big impact. So you are correct. You know, as I talked about several times, you can't look at these trades on the surface and try to match up numbers and numbers. There are just so many other intangibles involved with the trade, especially one between the leagues themselves. So... You know, lots of times I think you have to dig a little bit and then you find the genesis as to why a trade was made. Yeah, that really makes sense. He went to college in the area out there uh, at New Haven and um, so wanted to stay closer to home and and I I completely get that. And I'm sure he'll do a great job for New York, uh, a guy we really like because he's one of those kind of guys, he just goes out there and plays hard every day and uh, they're going to love him in New York, no, no doubt about that for sure. So uh, other moves out there in the American Association. Chicago had a couple of acquisitions. They get right-hander pitcher Ryan O'Reilly from Evansville and infielder Matt Botcher, I think is the way you say that, from Schaumburg, both to complete earlier deals that they had made. So uh, Chicago, Butch Hobson getting his his, uh, roster moving forward there, Kevin. And I think that that is pretty much all that we have going on around the American Association right now. Am I missing any uh, important releases that were said there? I I don't think I am. Am I? No, I'm not. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think there was anything eye popping that came out in the last week. I don't think so. And uh, so let's continue on. Um, a few sign- re-signings. So Tom Bates uh, re-signing the Rookie of the Year last year. Kobe Foster will return to the club. So uh, we know Tom's doing a great job out there. By the way, I, I do want to mention uh, January 2060. 
California Winter League gets underway, and uh, we don't really do much with that here on the show, but we do want to mention that Tom Bates will be out there managing, and so will Jim Frisbee, who was going to be the Lincoln manager before joining the Tigers organization, and Bobby Brown also going out there to manage uh, a former American Association guy. So that, I believe, Kevin, is a pay-to-play league. Players have to pay to get into the league, and uh, I know you're not a particularly big fan of those kind of things. Are, are those games going to be on Flow Sports? I mean, it seems like uh, Flow Sports just takes on any sport they can find that's got a camera at it. I want, you know, why 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 not have those games on TV? That's a good question. I'm going to go look that up right now and find out. Now, I, I, they may not say that yet, but uh, we'll see if they. We'll see. Do we have? Uh, okay, they don't say out here on their website, but we'll watch for that on January 26th when they get underway with their first game. So. Uh, they are on, I guess there is a California Winter League Japanese website, so I guess they were bringing in players from overseas, so good for them. And go out there and bring in guys, I guess. So California in the in the in January, I guess the only reason to go out there is for baseball. So that's my slam at California, and I can do that, Kevin, because I was born in California, so that's okay. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, isn't part of California just getting, like the San Francisco area, just getting slammed with rain? Yeah, my, my daughter. Kind of, kind of on some rare phenomenon going on that's just causing a constant um, rain out there that's um, wreaking havoc with the area. Yeah, my daughter had uh, endured that. It was hitting all the way down the coast, and they had some very high winds and um Tidal waves, not tidal waves, but I mean high waves, I guess I should say. I don't want to make it sound too epic. But um, high waves up in the San Diego area out there that they were warning people to stay away from the coastline because of how, how high the waves were getting there. So, uh, yeah, there's some interesting weather going on in the California area, and uh, I'm sure they'll figure out some some person to blame for that. So we'll, we'll leave it at that there. Uh, I think that's uh, – all the news exciting going on around independent baseball art right now. N nothing really going out in the Atlantic League. But now that we are in near in the middle of uh, January, we're going to start to see a lot of clubs going out there and signing guys and uh, bringing in their rosters to start start preparing here because Atlantic League will start getting busy. They start a, about a month before the American Association gets underway. So a lot of competition now with four partner leagues out there battling for players, I guess, these days. It's um, uh, it's a recruiting battle that I think is just like what we see in with college athletics, where you know the one guy's available, and I'm sure if he's got any type of resume, he's going to get a call from six, seven, eight different managers, and each one of them's got something good to sell on the player too. Where it's um, I imagine it's it's a partner league baseball, but still, I mean, it's a pretty big decision for a player as to where he wants to go play. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do want to mention a couple of notes out there in the Atlantic League. I was going to be negligent if I didn't mention these, so I'll throw them out here. So Frederick, uh, which is a new franchise joining the league this season, is having a team name contest out there. So throw in your, uh, your, your name, Frederick Flintstones. What about that, Kevin? Fred Frederick of Hollywood. Frederick of Hollywood. Let's go with that one, too. I'm liking it. All right. Uh, oh, I got, I'm, I'm done with that one. Uh, they also have, uh, I believe that we heard that uh, that uh, Staten Island is going to have a new manager next year, Kevin, we're hearing. 
They hired Homer Bush. I don't know what, um, help me on the name of the previous manager, but, um, Alfonso. Sound like it. Eduardo Alfonso, I believe. Eduardo Alfonso, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just um, didn't seem like the team ever really got on track, and it looks like they're going in a different direction with Homer Bush, who was a, was a spare player with the New York Yankees in 1998 and won a championship with them as a guy that just kind of filled in here and there, and he has has managerial experience and is going to take on the Staten Island job for 2023. Yeah, so he's a uh, seven-year major league guy with Toronto, San Diego, New York, and Florida, and uh, his son right now playing at Grand Canyon University, where I have my master's degree from, as a matter of fact. So go Homer Bush Jr. Go out there and play well for the Antelopes, is what I think we're calling ourselves these days. Uh, Also, I think I have uh, a new GM and president out there for the legends is Justin uh, Ferrarello. Ferrarello, I believe is the way that said, will be taking over the club as that's new GM and president. So, uh, so now I can say I covered Atlantic League stuff as well. How about that? Okay. Well, I think that's it going on around independent baseball out there. So we turn to the best part of the show, the Kevin Luco final thought. I didn't really have anything for tonight, but, um, you know, I'm talking with Anthony Renz at Something just kind of popped in my head and I guess um, kind of explains my passion for town ball in that, you know, I love covering the American Association. It's such an interactive league, but it's just grown so much where it just, it doesn't have the same feel as the Northern League did in 1993. But like I said, it's just a, it's a ton of fun to cover. But I think my passion for town ball is inspired by what I remember the Northern League and other independent leagues being like in 1993 as these upstart teams and they're playing in much smaller markets than that. So I thought that was um, – I thought when he mentioned that, that that's just kind of like – it's like a light turnout. Like, oh yeah, that's probably why I'm getting into this so much. But like I said, that doesn't take away from the American Association, and I'm proud to say that I am one of the people that get to know the everybody in the league and get to cover this league, even as a guy that's not even anywhere near a American Association market currently. Yeah, it's, it's a fun league to cover, but you know it. it the town ball reminds us that there are people out there who are still looking to chase their dream, who have an opportunity to do so because they could play for their local community and play very competitive baseball to make it so that they are good enough to still be able to go out there and compete. And there are people who just want to represent their community and still play a game that they loved and have loved since they were a little kid and, and play competitively. And um, there, there really isn't uh, many leagues out, many states out there that have as competitive as what Minnesota has to offer, and that's exciting baseball to go out and watch it. You know, you, you've covered this a lot over the last couple of years, and did a great job of covering the tournament for the state last season, and you got to see some of the best that ha- the state had to offer. So I know that was exciting for you. Yeah, it's kind of neat because a, a guy that you can go out and buy a, a bunch of ground beef from is your shortstop. 
the guy that you might have your car insurance through is the public address announcer whose son is the, the center fielder on the team. Your local electrician is working the press box, with, and his son is the catcher on the ball club. So it's just neat little stories like that that just make it really fun to cover. And throughout an interesting note, it sounds like my local team, the Fairville Lakers, will be having former major leaguer Jake Patrichka pitching for them full-time this summer. So that will be interesting to watch, a guy that just played AAA last summer for the St. Saint Paul Saints. Um, getting back to his roots and playing for fun. Fantastic. Great final thought for us there. Well, once again, Kevin and I want to thank Anthony Renz for joining us this week. Next week, we should have Greg Taggart on the show to talk a little bit about Winnipeg, which would close out our 12 weeks looking at the 2022 season. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We will see you next time on This Week in the Association.